Chapter Three of Deadwood Dick's Doom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Kristen Hughes. Deadwood Dick's Doom or Calamity Jane's Last Adventure by Edward L. Wheeler. Chapter Three: The Stranger Sings. Hank Shakespeare was one of the ruling spirits of Death Notch, inasmuch as he was the bully all over, and always ripe for a quarrel or a spree. One by one he had worsted each of the residents of the town, down to the captain, Paiute Dave, in a fair and square fight, and that fact had by no means lessened his esteem of his own prowess, so that he was never backward about waltzing right into a quarrel. His word, next to that of Paiute Dave, was regarded as law, and the majority of the roughs would have followed him in case of a split rather than the captain, who was of even a worse disposition than his bulldog companion, for he was ever too ready to draw a weapon and shoot down a fellow at little or no offence. Therefore, when Shakespeare proposed to have a concert from the newly arrived songsters, no one offered demur thereat, bemused to arouse the ire of the burly bullwhacker, was to give the signal for a fight from the word go. Therefore, after supper, a gang headed by the festive Shakespeare, who had imbibed more bootlegs than was good for acute locomotion, made a precipitate descent into the poker-house, and ordered the drinks, while the poet, with his smile in hand, mounted the deal-table nearest the bar, and addressed the uncouth assemblage around him. "'Feller citizens, noble representatives of the moral town of Death Notch, it becomes my duty to rise in front of ye like a bellowin' buffler bull to make an announcement. Ay, my noble guzzlers, I have a great bit of news for ye. We're on the eve o' a great event. We have in our midst a human phenomenon, as Shakespeare Sr. said. A maiden fair with voice like a dreamer. She sings and she plays. She's a regular screamer. Yes, ye long-eared pilgrims, your humble servant just made the discovery— that Sarah Bernhardt Nielsen, the famous singer, is here in Death Notch, she who has appeared afore all their crowned heads of Europe and Ethiopia. And what do you think, my noble councilmen and taxpayers? What do ye surmise this distinguished singist proposes to do? Why, thunderation, sirs, she calculates to give our critical city of Death Notch the death shake, and not open her vocal bugle short of hell in her. Now then, my prickly pears of the desert— I rise to promulgate the extemporaneous question, are we to be snubbed like this? Are we to be cheated out of hearing their singest vocalize in our own aristocratic sphere? I say no. In clarion notes I scream nay. Some immortal poet in past ages has said very scientifically, It pleases mortal man to feast, music alone to soothe their savage beast. And here's the very beast as requires music to anoint the ragged volcano edge of his erupted bosom. What do you ray, glutes? We invite their gal to favor us with some of her first-class tunes? A cheer was the answer. The idea was favored by all that rough assemblage. Then will I fotch forth their great warbler from her conservatory? The bullwhacker cried, and leaping from the table and drawing a pair of revolvers, he left the room. Up the stairs, two at a time, he went and rapped at the door of Miss Verner's room peremptorily. The young woman opened it in great surprise, her face paling as she saw the great gaunt bullwhacker. 
"'Excuse me, mum,' he said, bowing. "'But ye see, the bees have found out that you're a singist, "'and they allow that their likeliest thing ye can do "'is to come down and sing for em. "'They're dead for music, and though they're rather a rough lot, "'if ye sing your purtiest, and they're nigger too, "'I opine you'll be all right.' "'Oh, sir, you must excuse me,' Virgie cried in distress. "'I cannot sing to-night. Really, I cannot.' "'But you must, mum. "'You see how their boys are all on the squee-vive "'to hear ye vocalize, "'and appointed me as a delegate to represent em, "'and say if ye don't waltz down and sing for em, "'I am to shoot ye on the spot. "'You perceive we're old business. "'We daisies a death-notch. "'When a mule gets balky, "'we always drap em out without any preliminary parley. "'That for, we allow that if you edify us with a few songs, "'and the nigger too,' "'Your safety will be an assured fact, and if ye don't, "'we'll have to spec for a parson to preach your funeral sermon to-morrow.' "'Oh, Nick, what shall we do?' Miss Verner said, "'turning to the darky, pale and trembling. "'What shall we do?' "'Specs de best thing we can do is to give em some music, "'rather than get de top of our heads blowed off. "'Breast is your child's if he's quine to get in trouble "'when de banjo will get him out.' "'Just you get your guitar, Miss Virginie, and I's a raccoon if we can't stir em up.' "'Perhaps you're right, Nick, but I wish we had never come here,' the girl said as she procured a handsome guitar from her trunk. And then she and the darky, who was armed with a banjo, followed the bullwhacker down the stairs into the crowded bar-room. A loud cheer greeted their advent, from the ruffian assemblage, among whom were many of the most bold and lawless desperadoes on the border men who had waited in crime and ruffianism all their lives, and had lost all sense of manliness or feeling, further than for their own gratification. "'Hire the stage, mum,' Shakespeare said, indicating the bar-counter. "'Shall I help ye up?' "'You need not trouble yourself,' Virgie replied, stepping upon a chair, thence upon a table, and then to the bar, where three chairs had been placed. Nicodemus followed and likewise the bullwhacker Shakespeare, who had evidently assumed the self-appointed position of master of ceremonies, for he arose when the two singers were seated and glanced his audience over with an important ahem, as if to call attention to the fact that he was the central figure of the forthcoming entertainment. "'Feller citizens,' he began, "'this is an awe-inspiring and sublime occasion, when with swelling bosom of pride I am enabled to present for your approval the stars of two countries, Europe and Africa, consolidated into one stupendous aggravation. It does me proud, my noble pack of guzzlers, to represent this great phalanx of talent, and in commemoration of this great occasion my poetical brain-hat conceived a versicle offering, which I beg leave to precipitate at ye, as a prelude of their caterwauling, immediately to foller. It is entitled The Bild Shirt, and was founded on true incidents. Then, clearing the big throat, the bullwhacker laid one hand dramatically across his breast and began, It were six years ago today when Deadwood first there struck, a tenderfoot from Jersey City togged out in spotless duck. Oh, ye bet he were a gallus pill, but a money run amuck. He waltzed into the flush, ker slap, their flask were square for deal. 
though that were some who said that Pete were up to sundry steel. But I could never quite believe that Pete would stoop to feel. Down by their board their tender sat, I seed twere desperate in his eye, as on his snowflake kids he spat and said, "When me it's rocks or die. And though no pigtail cuss were he, I thought her poor Bill nigh. Says he to Pete, his words were low, Old pards, I'm broke, I have no dirt. But I'm so dry, give me a show, Just go a vee again my shirt. It's biled and clean, so don't be mean, To lose it would my feelings hurt. The keards was split upon their poot, And dealt the tender he were low, For Pete he held an awful hand, And scooped his jags at every show. He raked a trick for every throw. We laid the tender foot to rest, O oh, arsenic he tucked a bowl, He lost the biled shirt from his breast, And then had sought another goal. We did their white, you see, at best, We chucked him in a prospect hole. A tremendous cheer greeted the conclusion Of the bushwhacker's recitation, For the sentiment of the rude effusion Hit the rough audience in a tender spot. Any man guilty of wearing a biled shirt Had no sympathy from them, no matter what his troubles. "'Now we'll hear from the nigger,' Shakespeare said, jumping down from his counter among the crowd. "'After the nigger, the gal.' "'I's no nigger, sir,' Nicodemus retorted, arising and glaring down at his audience. "'I's Nicodemus Johnson, a colored gentleman.' This elicited a roar of laughter, but when the darky took hold of the banjo and began to pound it in a wonderfully scientific manner— accompanying the music with burlesque songs, he held his audience spellbound. No such banjo-playing had they ever heard or seen, for he would toss the homely instrument and catch it again without interrupting the current of his playing. And besides, his songs were laughable and original absurdities, well rendered. Encore after encore greeted his artistic efforts, and each time he responded with something a little better. It was during the darky's playing that the door opened and a newcomer strode into the room. A murmur of the captain and Paiute Dave passed among those who noticed his entrance, and several nodded to him and then toward Miss Vernon, who sat beside her sable companion with a pale face and eyes that flashed with indignation at being thus forced to serve as a starting block for a crowd of ruffians who had neither pity nor respect for womankind. Paiute Dave was fully on a part with his townsmen, as far as being villainous-looking was concerned. He was a tall, heavy-set man of some five-and-thirty years, and looked like one who it would be hard to handle in a struggle. In race he was dark, bloated, and sinister, with shaggy brows, cold gray eyes of evil expression, a sensuous mouth shaded by a bristling black mustache, and a thick neck and chin the latter ornamented with a slight goatee. He was attired in knee-boots, light-coloured trousers, red shirt open at the throat, corduroy jacket, and wide-rimmed hat, while a belt about his waist contained a brace of handsomely trimmed revolvers. He paused not far from the door, with his hands thrust in his pockets, fixed his gaze upon the girl upon the bar, a gaze intense in its evil significance. Virgie felt it, by some instinct, and turned to glance at the man, met the gaze, and then shudderingly averted her eyes. Though terrible to her were the glances of the others, 
the eyes of this man sent a thrill of horror through her being. She felt that in him she had a designing villain to cope with, and she was not wrong. Paiute Dave was a villain, a fierce, self-willed ruffian, who hesitated at no dark and terrible deed that would further his purpose. More than one of those who had come to Death Notch to avoid Judge Lynch's noose had fallen by his hand for a trivial offence, and there was not a man in the town who did not stand in fear of him, even including the poetical Shakespeare. After his singing nearly a dozen different comic songs, the audience seemed to grow tired of Nicodemus, and a call was made for the girl to sing. "'Yes, gal, let's hear from you,' the bullwhacker ordered, rubbing his hands together greedily. "'You're the very nightingale what our ears acheth to hear. Give us a sort of Methodist tune, Southern, what'll make us feel solemncholy-like, as my late lamented namesake Shakespeare had been known on several occasions to remark. Catch a bird on their wing and force it to sing, and all in good time you'll have music sublime.' Virgie saw that there was nothing left for her to do but comply with the demand of her rough audience. As she was alone, with the exception of Nick, among strangers and without defence. She had already made up her mind to get through the concert as best she could, and afterward attempt to escape from the town. Therefore, tuning her guitar, which was a fine-toned instrument, she selected a ballad from her repertory entitled, My Dear Old Mother Face, and sung it through in a sweet, pathetic voice. Every man in the room stood in utter silence as though spellbound until she had finished, when there was a tremendous outburst of applause. Rude and uncouth though the auditors, they could but appreciate the beautiful song heartily. Hip, hip, hooray! Three cheers for the bar-schlangled spanner! Bow, wow, wow! At this juncture bellowed Bulldog Ben, elbowing forward from the vicinity of a temporary bar, where he had been imbibing numerous bootlegs. "'That were splendiferous, old gal. That were a regular old hymn right from Halifax. Harketh I, Bulldog Benjamin, their majestic mastiff a death notch. Sweeter by far than Arias and Solisium. Were that old song about my old mother? I can now see her searching for her nebrit son along the shady banks of other Mississippi.' You bettin' if ever I did no black to my life, I'm goin' to kiss yer for remindin' their old bulldog of his old main bulldog. Bow, wow, wow, barketh I. And the ruffian bound nimbly upon the bar. Virgie sprung to her feet with a cry of horror, but before the wretch could lay a hand upon her, there was a sharp crack of a revolver, and he fell bleeding at her feet. End of chapter 3